I'm Asan, and this is The Market on the 9320 player. The transfer window has slammed shut. The Premier League has spent hundreds of millions making some Guardian writers very, very, very angry. Um, <laughs> joining me to uh, to look across the transfer window, not just at City, but across the whole Premier League, I've got Lloyd and Jason. Morning, Jason. Morning, Jason. How are you? I'm good, or should I say good evening? Good evening for me. It's uh, 8.30 p.m. in Australia. T- temperature check. You just told us off air, so let's hear it. Uh, 33 degrees Celsius and have the aircon pumping right now to stay a bit cool. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Lloyd, how are you, sir? Reclining? <laughs> I'm permanently reclined at the moment. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm obviously in a lot of pain, but I'm just uh, managing that, so... Happy to talk football transfers and the like. Excellent. Well, let's, without further ado, let's let's get stuck straight into it. Um, I'm going to start by looking just generally across the top six in terms of the fact that there is half a season still to play, Champions League still to be played for. That means that, in theory, clubs could do business that could uh, profoundly impact uh, what happens over the course of the rest of the season. Let's start with Arsenal, Lloyd. Uh, Jorginho has come in um the young polish center back has come in whose whose name yeah yeah, whose name escapes me in the main how do you view their business annoyingly astute okay i think um so you know there's not a site trossard Jorginho, and this keyboard guy who is a guy that a lot of kind of football manager nerds slash people that look at like kind of underlying numbers across the you know Europe's best leagues have been very excited about for a while I think whilst none of those three players they kind of jump off the page like a Mudrick or a Enzo Fernandez in the sense of wow that is an you know someone that you kind of watch and they get you off your seat physically as a player I think they've been really smart in that they've plugged key gaps and key problems in their problem areas in their squad. So obviously centre half for them is a bit of a bit of an issue and I think there's a massive kind of quality drop off when you go past Gabriel and you go past um Saliba. And they've been very lucky that they've been able to pretty much play those two the entirety of the league. They brought this guy in who by all accounts I think he'll take a bit of adaptation but is is very good also gives them the opportunity to move Ben White across uh, if they need to. Um, so I think that's that's a good signing. Um, Trossard, I think long-term is not a great signing because at 28 and given his slight attitude problems, it's not the kind of player I'd like City probably to go for. But I think definitely for the next two years, Trossard has shown, you know, he's very, he's very capable of the Premier League level. And actually in the, kind of couple of games I've seen him he's looked really bright I thought he was good against us in the cup and that obviously gives them another option uh, again I mean they've been very lucky that they've been able to I think Martinelli and Saka have started every game in the Premier League this season mm. which is nuts um, and you know that's but that, that's not going to happen towards the back end particularly when the Europa League comes back for them so I think that's an astute signing and look with El Nenny doing what I've done I think he's ruptured his ACL Um Jorginho, I never would have seen that coming, but I think it makes a lot of sense as this kind of short-term deal. And it's the kind of thing that I would have loved City City to do uh, post-Cancelo. So 
Yeah, it's it's not it's really? not business that scares it's not business that scares me. Um, and it's not. I always I, I always think that like City are at our best when we're signing players not just to be squad players, but to kind of threaten the first 11. Mm. And I think there's an element that those players are squad players. But I do think where they are in the season right now and the holes that they've got, I think it makes a lot of sense, to be honest. And it does concern me. I think they're, I think they're stronger for it. Jason, you want to you wanna weigh in? I, I, guess, I guess my feeling going into the window was that Arsenal's weakness is probably at number six. And I'm just not convinced that Jorginho... I don't think, for example, that if Xhaka or Thomas Party get any sort of injury, that the Jorginho sticking plaster will cover it. I think that what Jorginho does, it gives them a body for the Europa League, yeah, which will allow them to rotate a little bit more. But it doesn't, in terms of, in my opinion anyway, in terms of quality, it doesn't mitigate the potential for there to be a drop-off if they lose Party or Xhaka. And actually, the lad that they've sent out on loan, um, Lekonga, I like Lekonga. the look of him. I mean, he, you know, he, he's he got a lot to learn. He looks a bit raw, but he was dynamic and he looked like the type of player who could develop there. So it's a interesting move from Arteta to send Lekonga out on loan and to bring Jorginho in. Jace, what do you reckon? So on, on Lukanga, um, if you listen to what Arsenal fans say about him, they hate him. They, they wanted him out, and that was one of their biggest concerns. I, to me, I think Arsenal won the January window, um, partly because we got weaker and they got stronger um, with Cancelo out. You know, we've lost depth. <clears throat> but I, I agree with what Lloyd said. They've um, strengthened in, in key areas. But with the caveat of, you know, they went for two really, really big names in Cassiedo and uh, Mudrick. They didn't get those targets yeah. and they said, okay, we need to still go get something to fill our depth. <clears throat> and exactly like as Lloyd said, they've, um, you know, their, their key players have played almost 100% of the minutes in the Premier League, right? So my, when I looked at the Arsenal squad, I said, well, if they get one injury to either Partey or any of the two wingers, Martinelli or Saka, they're basically screwed for the rest of the season. Mm. And to me, the players have got are literally squad members that will help push their title charge. You know, their end goal right now is to win the title for this for the next six months, and those all three signings answer those key holes to win the title for the next six for the next six months. And they'll go. I guarantee you, when it comes to the summer window coming, they're going to go hard again. They're they're going to. I think one of the rumors already, Declan Rice, right? Yeah. So I mean, I, they're going to go hard. I expect them to. I, I don't think that you, you know, I, I think that for for whatever reason, the, oh, actually, I think a lot of it is to do with Usmanov leaving and, and the Cronkies having full control at Arsenal, but they've obviously decided yeah. that they're going to put their hand, put their hand in their pocket. And it's a golden opportunity for them as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know if you can ever describe, uh, having to spend hundreds of millions on, on footballers is a golden opportunity, but I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I think there's a, I think that, that 
this is a down season for City and within that down season it has presented particularly Arsenal with an opportunity to win the title and then there will be a commercial effect if they were to win the title and also a recruitment effect because it's just much easier to buy players and convince players when you are the the uh, the reigning Premier League champions. Um, it's a down season. It's a down season for all the other top six. And it reminds you that it reminds you of the Leicester season. Arsenal top of the league in January. Yeah. In that season, Leicester won it. They didn't strengthen in January where they needed to. They didn't yeah. win the league. They yeah. strengthened this time. It is a it is it is a funny season. I do think that we've from a just very quickly from a city perspective, I think that we've become so accustomed to hundred point seasons or that running at that sort of rate that we view ourselves as not very good right now. But I think just in a raw numbers point of view, the 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 points total that we're putting on the board on any other regular Premier League season, it'd be fine. I think the fact that Arsenal are going at a, I think hundred and two points if they carry on like this, that's yeah, I think if you'd have asked me at the start of the season, can City go at 102 points or 100 points this season? I'd have said no. I just think that with the the slow shift in 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 style um, and the disruption, both in terms of outgoings and incomings last summer, that it was going to be a slightly different season. Um, okay, Arsenal. So <laughs> Chelsea, the headline makers. I'll read the players out that they've signed because there's so many of them. David David Datro Fafana from Molda, uh, Benoit Badiashili from Monaco, Andre Santos from Vasco da Gama, João Felix on loan from Atletico Madrid, Mudrik from Shakhtar Donetsk, Noni Madueke from PSV, Malo Gusto doesn't join until the summer, right back, and of course, who can forget Premier League record, British transfer record, Enzo Fernandez from Ben. Fika. Lloyd, fuck's going on at Chelsea? Oh, it's mental, isn't it? It is mental. Um, I posted a graph on Twitter the other day. So I can't remember who did it, but someone had kind of graphed out how big Chelsea's entire 2023, uh, 22-23 season spending is compared to other record seasons. And it's almost on its own graph. It's it's actually it outstrips. I think we're second in 2018. I think we spent around 330 million euros across the entire season, and I think Chelsea have spent 635 or something. Something 608 insane. million pounds. Yeah. So I mean, it is we're on. It's completely new ground. Um, they've not just kind of you know blown the record like say City getting 100 points when everyone else has got, you know, 95 or whatever. This is, they've completely blown the top off it. Um, I mean, there's so much, there's so much to talk about. Um, I'm really struggling to see how they don't run into big problems of FFP. Um, I think, you know, this is a real, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be very excited and it's obviously uber aggressive, but their squad is enormous now. It is so bloated and I, I can't see how they're not going to have massive problems shifting on players in the summer and, you know, other clubs are going to hold them over a barrel and, you know, they know that um, they're going to be in such a poor negotiating position. And isn't that I, yeah. a little bit, isn't that a little bit theoretical though, Lloyd? What I mean by that is, you know, ultimately when I look at the Chelsea outgoings, the players that, 
that they want to get or they they are seemingly wanting to get rid of those mm. are players who will have a market and they will have a market value and i don't i don't envisit like for example obviously zh nearly landed at, at chelsea uh, sorry yeah. at psg yesterday you think come the summer there'll be a market for him in europe cooler bali there'll be a market for them in europe i and and then the kind of the to widen that point although i take your point about um being held quote unquote over a barrel ultimately i don't think that the your chelsea's your cities i don't think when they're in that position the position that chelsea are in the concern is we need to recoup transfer fees the concern is always we need to get these guys off the wage bill that's what we need to do. We need to get 10 or 11 lads off the wage bill. Yeah, I think they need both, though. I think they've spent so much money that they, they actually need both. And Yeah, but doesn't that, just, doesn't that just amortise over the length of the contracts? Like, when you talk about when you talk about it from an FFP point of view, or you talk about it from a, a, a potential sanction point of view, the, san- the, the real concern is the new rule about how much your wage bill can or can't inflate the in terms of your actual transfer fee spending it's not a big deal though, is it um I, th- no, I don't know i think it, i think it's i think there is a bit of that but i think there's right. also i think there's also an issue that, that whilst yeah there's definitely a market for a lot of their players because they've got a lot of good players i think they're also going to struggle to get so, so, they're probably going to struggle to get some guys off the wage bill as well because whilst you know i mean sterling's probably a good example i mean Kind of let's see how he goes in the next six months because he he's the kind of guy that might want to move given what's what's happened at Chelsea and who's come in. Um, there'd obviously be a market for him, but he just signed a five year deal at Chelsea, and so mm. who's I think be he's able a bit to- an outlier though. To be fair, because I think he you went think? in at like three fifty a week. I don't think that Z. I think when I look at the list of players that they want rid of, Jorginho's gone, Ziyech they want rid of, Kante's going on a free. Um, what are the other names? Conor Gallagher. Definitely, yeah, Pulisic and Conor Gallagher. Mate, they'll be habits. I, I, I think they're going to be anywhere. completely fine with FFP. Yeah, same. Like I just think, I think when you talk about um, Pulisic and and Conor Gallagher, you're talking about two guys who I absolutely am certain there'll be a real market for. And when I say a real market, they're easily getting four. 40 million quid each for the pair of them. Aubameyang? Yeah, but he's 34 years old. All you need to do is get him off the wage bill. He's not like a, he's not a fella that you paid a massive fee for. It's not a Sterling situation. I think Sterling is the, is, is a good example of potentially a problem for them because of the size of his wage and the fact that he's only just arrived there. But most of the, I think, I think what's being overstated, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about in general when I read in the media, I think the thing that's being overstated is what was there before. What was at Chelsea before this tranche of buying was a, a, a haphazard mishmash squad put together by seven different managers mm-hmm. where the real issue for me when you looked across the squad is there was no discernible... Um, elevation of quality so whether you're talking about Pulisic or you're talking about all the other wingers that they've got and I include Raheem Sterling in that you kind of go meh they're all right but there's no there's no play there was very few players that you looked at and you went that's going to be your position for the next five years there's no way anybody's going to take it off you whereas I look at this this lot of spending and I look Mm -hmm. at Graham Potter and I feel as though in 18 months 
there'll probably be six or seven totems in that Chelsea squad from the players they've bought who we all go, they're going to be around for the next four or five years. They're top players. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.